Good morning. I'm Kevin Meilenberg, and I'm the Director of Missions for the South Central Baptist area. I really appreciate Pastor Matt giving me the invitation to speak. I didn't think it would be this way, but I'm, I'm glad that we're able to do this at least via video. Um, I want to speak today on the topic of partnerships. So if you have your Bibles, if you would turn to the, gospel, the, the book of Acts, chapter 11, we're going to start in verse 19. And thinking about partnerships, I was reading an article recently where the folks that do the post-it notes publicized what they believe were the five um, most significant partnerships over the last generation or two. And let me just read, read some of those for you. They said, first of all, Wilbur and Orville Wright. Of course, they came together and put together that flying machine that changed really the, the way we uh, do transportation and get around in our culture today. Then they mentioned James Watson and Fr Dr. Francis Crick. Those two guys developed the double helix, which is the picture of our DNA. Then they mentioned another partnership that was pretty powerful. Larry Page and Sergey Brin, a couple of students at Sanford University, and what they ended up doing is coming together and discovering a way to search algorithms, to do algorithm searching, and that's what we now know as the business Google. Then they listed a couple more partnerships that I thought were interesting. They listed John Lennon and Paul McCartney saying that they revolutionized pop music. I believe that's pretty accurate. And then the last one they list is Ben Cohen and Jerry Greenfield. You may know those two as the folks who started Ben and Jerry's ice cream. One of the things they say is they made the world a better place with chunks of fudge brownie and chocolate chip cookie dough. Well, maybe they did, but I think there's really a better partnership, a more significant partnership, and that's what we're going to talk about today, the partnership that we have as followers of Christ in presenting the gospel to those people who need him. If you would, just follow along as I read out in Acts chapter 11, beginning in verse 19. Now those who had been scattered by the persecution in connection with Stephen traveled as far as Phoenicia, Cyprus, and Antioch, telling the message only to Jews. Some of them, however, men from Cyprus and Cyrene, went to Antioch and began to speak to the Greeks also, telling them the good news about the Lord Jesus. And the Lord's hand was on them and with them, and a great number of people believed and turned to the Lord. The news of this reached the ears of the church at Jerusalem, and they sent Barnabas to Antioch. And when he arrived and saw the evidence of the grace of God, he was glad and encouraged them all to remain true to the Lord with all their hearts. And he was a good man, full of the Holy Spirit and faith, and a great number of people were brought to the Lord. And then Barnabas went to Tarsus to look for Saul. And when he found him, he brought him to Antioch. So for a whole year, Barnabas and Saul met with the church and taught some great numbers of people. And the disciples were called Christians first at Antioch. Well, fast forward to chapter 13 in the book of Acts, and the description of what happened there at the church of Antioch is what I really want to focus on today. The Bible says in the church at Antioch, beginning in verse 1, there were prophets and teachers, Barnabas and Simeon called Niger, Lucius of Cyrene and Manian, who had, brought up, who had been brought up with Herod the Tetrarch and Saul. And while they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, Set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. So after they had fasted and prayed, they placed their hands on them and sent them off. The two of them, sent on their way by the Holy Spirit, went down to Seleucia and sailed from there to Cyprus. And when they arrived at Salamis, they proclaimed the word of God in the Jewish synagogues. And John was with them as their helper. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. My prayer this, this day is that you would open the eyes 
of our hearts that we would see the truth from your scripture. Lord, I pray that the words of my mouth and the meditation of our hearts would be acceptable in your sight. For Lord, you alone are our strength and our redeemer. And I pray this in the precious name of Jesus. Amen. So the partnership I want to talk about, as I mentioned, are Great Commission Partnerships. I believe several things need to happen. I'd like to read our mission statement of the South Central Baptist area because that's really the connection I want to make today. See, this, this ministry that, I, that I'm responsible to serve is 50 churches in nine counties, uh, two associations, and this is the vision statement that we have come up with, and your pastor helped us with this vision statement. We're a fellowship of churches led by the Holy Spirit, serving together to expand God's kingdom through encouraging one another, equipping church leaders, and establishing great commission ministry partnerships, all for the glory of God. That's what we're here for. We are here to partner together, one church with other churches, to do great commission work. So to be a great commission partner, it's going to require that we do some things. And I want to take five of these from this passage today to highlight. The first thing we need to do to be a great commission partnering church is celebrate diversity in the church. First thing, celebrate diversity in the church. In Acts chapter 13, verse 1, the Bible mentions this description at the church at Antioch. There were prophets and teachers, Barnabas, Simeon, uh, Lucius, Manian, uh, and, and mentioned Saul here. Those leaders of the church represented this incredible amount of diversity. They were leaders representing a diverse congregation. They had come from all over Asia Minor, and then even, even Barnabas coming from, from, um, from Jerusalem to be a part of that church. So the, the context of this calling out of Paul and Barnabas came in this incredibly diverse culture of people in that church. I think about the South Central Baptist area that I serve, and if you look all the way from Round Top, we have the, that area up there where there are um, high-end antique shops and stores, and you work your way down through uh, the Gonzales Association, and you come to the, the great history of the city of Gonzales, and then you have Cowboy Church and ranchers and uh, folks in that area, and you work your way down here to, to Kennedy and Carn City and the oil patch, and then over to Floresville and Lavernia, and you have the, the folks that, who live and work in San Antonio. So an incredible amount of diversity in our churches is represented as I've gotten to, to meet so many of these folks. I've worshipped in different churches uh, all for this year and a half that I've been the director of missions. We, uh, I'll be in a church where there may be an individual leading worship with a guitar. Sometimes I'll be there and the, the person leading will just lead a cappella hymns. Sometimes uh, the situation will be we'll have an orchestra with, uh, with a choir. Uh, often uh, what I, we end up with is a worship team. Some churches have uh, uh, mandolins and violins and they'll sing happy trails. Some churches have uh, dim lights and light shows with their worship service. All of the diversity that's there, and you talk, talk about diversity, that's diversity. But here's the one thing about all of those different worship styles, those different, even different Bible translations, different backgrounds. We have come together partnering with other churches for the sake of the gospel. That's the key. Great Commission partnerships. The Great Commission is clearly out of Matthew 28. That we're to go and we're to make disciples. We partner together with other churches to do that, and we are a diverse group. And what I want to challenge us to do with this church here and the other churches in our association is to celebrate that diversity. I think about the disciples that Jesus chose uh, from different backgrounds. You have a tax collector, you have a zealot, you have fishermen, probably some tradesmen, all coming together because Jesus called them out to celebrate that diversity to reach people with the gospel of Christ. So Great Commission partnerships require diversity, celebrating that. Secondly, Great Commission partnerships require that we develop relationships. 
develop relationships. Again, back in verse 1, he mentions, Now in the church there at Antioch were these folks, this diverse group of people. First thing we need to do is celebrate relationships within the church. The Bible says that these men had been worshiping together. When they came to the point of understanding God's Holy Spirit was speaking to them, moving on their hearts to send people out, it was in the context of relationships. They knew each other. They knew who God could use. They knew how God could use those people. And Saul or Paul and Barnabas were the ones that, that, that the church was led to send out. And it was because of those relationships within the church that they were, to partner, they were able to partner together for the Great Commission. And I think we need to celebrate that within our churches. Celebrate the diversity, but also celebrate and work on the relationships that you have with one another. And then beyond that, we have relationships with leaders in other churches. I think about the church at Jerusalem, as I read in Acts chapter 11, how they, they sent Barnabas to Antioch to help out. And when Barnabas saw the need there, then he went and got Paul from Tarsus and came, or Saul from Tarsus. Saul and Paul are the same person, to come there and help with the church of Antioch. It was incredible that these churches were building relationships with one another. And because of the relationship that Barnabas had with the Jerusalem church and the church at Antioch, he was able to, to develop a, a ministry with them. I want to hold that place there. We'll come back to it. But listen to Philippians chapter 1 as the Apostle Paul wrote to the church at Philippi. Listen to how he describes the relationships that he had with the churches that he served. He said, I thank my God. This is verse 3 in Philippians 1. I thank my God every time I remember you. In all my prayers for all of you, I always pray with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. I love that. I have this joy with the partnership of the gospel that I have with you. Being confident of this, he said, that, though, that, that he, the Lord who began a good work in you, will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. He says, it is right for me to feel this way about all of you since I have you in my heart. For whether I'm in chains or defending and confirming the gospel, all of you share, there's that togetherness, that partnership again, all of you share in God's grace with me. And God can testify how I long for all of you with the affection of Christ Jesus. Paul describes his partnership with them as a loving relationship. We have that kind of bond with the pastors and the leaders of the South Central Baptist area. There is this partnership that, that transcends our diversity, it transcends our locations, it transcends the distance between us. I love the fact that part of my calling is to bring pastors and church leaders together to sharpen one another, to share burdens, to share struggles, to, to, to pray for one another. Your own pastor, Matt, has been involved in bringing men together about once a month, men who serve other churches, and to build relationships with those guys. And I talk to some of those guys, I meet with them, and it's the highlight of, of their month of ministry to come together with other pastors and build relationships I love what one director of missions, Glenn Davis in Kansas said. He said, without trusted relationships, there is no one to help us when we experience missional or theological drift. Let me kind of unpack that, paraphrase that for you. What he's saying is, if we as church leaders do not have partnerships, relationships with other church leaders in other churches, there's going to be a tendency for, of us for us to drift away from our calling, from our missional context, from a theological um, uh, conservatism that we have. So the, one of the things that happens when you have pastors come together and develop relationships with each other is there's a sense of, a, of accountability. So we are to develop biblical, solid, even intimate relationships. I read recently about Charles Haddon Spurgeon, the great pastor in London. 
he had uh, an, uh, an opportunity to gather an offering to try to support the poor children in London. And so what he did was he went on like a crusade and he was in, in Bristol. He went to Bristol and for a week of preaching, he was able to raise 300 pounds, which is an incredible amount of money in that day. And at the end of the meeting, he was praying and I believe probably celebrating and thanking God for that money that they'd raised. And God began to speak to his heart. And God prompted Spurgeon not to keep the, not keep the money, but to take that money and give it to the folks in Bristol. So he went to his friend, George Mueller, who was pastoring in Bristol and had, a, had orphanages there. And he went to George and, and was going to give that money to him to be used in his, his orphan home. And when he got there, he found George Mueller on his knees. And he tapped him and he said, George, God's spoken to my heart to give this money to you. And he, he got up and he, and he said, brother, he said, this is incredible because the very thing I was praying for was for God to give us 300 pounds for our, our orphans right now. Boy, those two guys celebrated. Now, if they did not have that relationship developed, that, that thing would not have happened, that incredible divine appointment where God used one pastor to meet the need of another pastor. Developing relationships. Well, the third thing that we need to do that Great Commission partnerships are going to require is that we respond when the Holy Spirit speaks. We celebrate diversity, we develop relationships, but we respond when the Holy Spirit speaks. Back in Acts chapter 13, verse 2 says this, While they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, some translations say ministering to the Lord, they were worshiping the Lord. While they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, God spoke to the church as they worshiped by his Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit said, set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. And after they prayed and fasted and prayed, they placed their hands on them and sent them off. The Holy Spirit spoke to the church as they were worshiping. By the way, just a little aside here, genuine worship. When we come together with right hearts and right attitudes, not just to show up and, and fill up you, but when we really come together to worship the Lord, genuine worship will lead to transform lives. When the people of God are open, when the people of God are receptive to what God's Holy Spirit is saying and doing in their midst. This call to send Barnabas and Saul or Paul out to the mission field came in the context of a worship service, the Holy Spirit speaking to them. And in that context... The church agreed, and they sent out those two leaders to the mission field. I was thinking about this, and I just think it's important to ask this question here. Have you responded to God's call to salvation? When you come together to worship in church, and Lord willing, it'll be back together soon, and God's Holy Spirit is moving, has he spoken to your heart to respond to that call to salvation? That's the first thing every person needs to do to come to Christ by faith, to believe that they've sinned. The Bible's clear, Romans 3.23, all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. The Bible says that God demonstrated his love for this in Romans 5, that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. And John chapter 1 says, as many as received him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Have you done that? Have you responded by faith to trust Christ as your Savior? If you haven't done it, I invite you to do that. It can be done a simple decision of your will, a simple prayer, Lord Jesus, I've sinned. I need a Savior. Come into my life. Take control of my life, and I commit to follow you and obey you. That's the simple prayer you can pray. This church can help you with that prayer. You can, you can connect with them online. 
You can talk to someone here at this church office anytime about making that commitment of your life to Jesus Christ. Have you done that? I can remember as a little boy walking an aisle in a Baptist church, and I just did it because my friends were doing it, and my family said this is the right thing to do at this age, so I did it. I never trusted Christ as Savior. And as a teenager, I went to a a revival crusade meeting, and some college students were leading this worship service, and I felt God tugging at my heart. And I I went with one of the counselors to a back room there where they were counseling individuals, and and I said, you know, I'm a I think I'm a Christian. I've been baptized. I walked an island to church. And I'll never forget what that young man asked me. He said, Kevin, here's the question. When you made that decision as a kid, did your life change? Let me tell you, he stopped me in my tracks. I got to thinking about that decision when I was a kid, and it really wasn't a decision. It was just following what others were doing. And I came to the point where I realized I had never received Christ because there was no change in my life. But since then, as a teenager, I did respond and trust Christ, and I've seen his transforming work. So now when I worship him, I sense his spirit drawing me and calling me and wooing me in a deeper walk with him. So this responding when the Holy Spirit leads has to start when we trust Christ as Savior. But beyond that, beyond that, when we think about the context of a local church, when the Holy Spirit speaks, the church must respond in obedience. Let me tell you, I've been in some churches where God's Holy Spirit has spoken, and the people have squelched the Spirit of God. They have said, we really don't want to do that. We don't want to step out in faith. We don't want to obey what God is saying. But when a church will respond, when a church will say, yes, Lord, and follow God's leadership, God will bless. I pastored a church in a community that was, was the Anglo population was declining, a primarily Hispanic community. And that church had dwindled down in size years after I left there to just a handful of people. And God's Holy Spirit started speaking to that handful of folks in that church. And at their 100th anniversary of that church, they took the keys and they handed them over to a Hispanic congregation of the community. And they said, here, you're reaching people for Christ. We can't do it because we don't have the finances, the manpower, or any energy anymore. We give these keys to you. That's what you call following the leadership of the Holy Spirit. Now, you have one church that's dying and says, no way, we're going to hold on to this. And then you have that church that I just mentioned that says, you know what, we're going to give away this ministry because God's working and speaking to our hearts. The church should respond. And I love it. It says, while they were worshiping, God speaks to you in the context of what, when you're already doing the, being faithful and being obedient. That's where God shows up, obeying what God has already revealed to us. I pastored a church at that time There were only about 30 of us. We were barely meeting budget. They were in debt. They didn't have enough money really to to pay full-time pastor. And we were struggling. And there was a challenge that was made to us in our association. And they said, we'd like to relaunch a Hispanic congregation in your town. Would you help us? And I came together with some other pastors and we prayed. And we felt for sure that God's Holy Spirit was speaking to us as church leaders. We felt for sure that we needed to respond. And I shared that with our church. I said, folks, they want us to commit $100 a month to this, to this mission, this relaunch. And we did not have $100 a month, but the church said, we sense God's Holy Spirit speaking to do that, and we obeyed. We stepped out in obedience. And from that moment on, we watched God provide and meet the needs of that church. And I believe it's because we listened to the Holy Spirit, and we responded to the prompting of the Spirit when he spoke. I heard a story about a man who went to speak in a church, and he was sitting on the platform, and as the worship service was starting up, a person over here on this side of the 
worship center just stood up and said, yes, Lord. They sat down. And this guest preacher thought that was a little unusual, a little disruptive. And then pretty soon one over here says, yes, Lord. And they just went on for several minutes. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. And after a while, it got quiet again. Dozens of people saying, yes, Lord. Then the pastor stood up, and this is what he said. He said, Lord, he said, you've heard our answer. Now we ask you to speak to us. Now what would happen if the people of God came together every Sunday morning and said, yes, Lord, before we even knew what God wanted of us, where our heart is yes and yielded? What would happen if our association of churches, 50 of them, came together, and whenever we gather whether it's the Gamble Association or the Gonzalez Association, whenever we come together, this group of leaders, pastors, would just say, Lord, whatever you want, our answer is yes. That's how you have a great commission partnership. Obedience, yielding to the Holy Spirit. Before I move on, I, I just want to ask another question. To, to those people who know Christ as Savior, could it be that God has called you to salvation and you've responded by faith, and now God is calling you into some type of vocational ministry, whether it's to be in full-time ministry, whether it's to get an education, whether it's to step out and serve, whether it's to step up alongside your pastor and staff and say, I want to be used. Is God calling you out to be used in some kind of a way of ministry? Well, if he is, let me tell you, just like the church at Antioch, the best thing you can do is respond in obedience. So the Great Commission partnerships require celebrating diversity Developing relationships, responding when the Spirit speaks. And number four, requires having a kingdom vision. A kingdom vision, a kingdom focus. Again, look back at verse two and four. While they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Lord said, set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I've called them. The Bible says after they'd done that, they sent them off. Verse four says they sent them on their way by the Holy Spirit. This is what you call a kingdom vision. See, this church at Antioch had been nurtured, had been taught, had been encouraged, had been discipled, had been built up by Saul or Paul and Barnabas. And in that time of, of ministry to them for over a year, they came to love Barnabas and Paul. And they saw that Paul and Barnabas were leaders. But God said to them by his spirit, send those two leaders out. And they obeyed. Folks, that's a kingdom vision. When a church says, we're not going to hang on to these two servants we have because we love them so much, because we don't know what we would do without them, but the church says, we're taking our hands off, and we're saying, God, if you call, then we're going to send. That's a kingdom vision. It's a vision bigger than just our church walls. It's a vision bigger than our community. I was looking at some of the, the details here. The church at Antioch there was in a, was in a city of about half a million people. And it would, have been, it would have made sense to say, Barnabas, Paul, stay here because there's lots of people to reach here. And that would have made sense, logical sense to us as the people of God, but they were sensitive to kingdom issues. They knew that there were, there were people beyond Antioch, beyond their city, who needed Christ as Savior. And, and they knew that God had called Paul and Barnabas out. And they're, they're having this kingdom vision. I went through the New Testament and just looked at some of the areas that Paul was able to reach with the gospel, Paul and Barnabas. We, we know about, about the area of Asia, Bithynia, to Rome, Paul went, Galatia, Corinth, Ephesus, Philippi, Colossae, all of those places, as you read the rest of the book of Acts, 
Paul and Barnabas went, and significantly Paul established churches in those places. And because the church at Antioch had a kingdom vision, said we're going to send our best out, God was able to do that work in those other communities. Cities and regions and cultures beyond their four walls or their community were reached because they had a kingdom focus and a kingdom vision. I think about our own Southern Baptist Convention I love the cooperative program. We have 47,000 plus churches and 4,500 missions, 41 state conventions, 1,100 associations, six seminaries are supported with our cooperative program. We put together our gifts as churches to come together to fund the cooperative program, which enables us to to fund the the international missionaries, over 4,000 of them, home missionaries, North American missionaries, seminaries. That's a kingdom focus, a kingdom vision. And I've challenged our 50 churches of the South Central Baptist area to have that same kind of a kingdom focus, and I'm thankful that we do. I'm thankful that we do. I've talked about associations. Let me just give you a a definition of association. A Baptist association is a self-governing fellowship of autonomous churches sharing a common faith and active on mission in their setting. See, our churches have a common mission field. We have a common faith. It's a Baptist faith and message. And we, we have a common stewardship and trust, and that's the gospel of Jesus Christ. And we are to make kingdom decisions with that stewardship that we're, we're given. Together is better. We can accomplish so much more when we come together with a kingdom vision and a kingdom focus. I was talking with a pastor recently about another pastor in another town who was starting to start satellite churches in this community where this pastor was. And I just was asking him about that. Have you heard about that? He said, oh, yeah, I heard about that. And, and I just want to know how he was responding to that. He said, man, he said, the more the merrier. We've got people here that need to be reached. Bring them on. I love that attitude. That's the attitude of our pastors. We're not territorial. And I think that just needs to be multiplied as we think about it's not about our ministry and our, our church. It's about the kingdom and what we can do to reach the people who need Christ. I got a recent, recently another phone call from a pastor in another association, and he has a burden to reach a church in our area. And he said, can we partner with you to help relaunch, restart, uh, revitalize that church? And I love that. He's not thinking territorial. He's not thinking your association, my association, your church, my church. He's thinking about the kingdom. And he's asking, what can we do to help? I love that. I love that. A kingdom vision like the church that gave the keys over, a kingdom vision. A church that comes alongside another that's struggling, that's kingdom vision. A church that's willing to to help and embrace other churches who have a need. Recently I read about a pastor in the church where Andy Stanley's congregation was looking at some land. It was a, a, a smaller church. Andy Stanley bought some property. Their church bought some property there, and pretty soon the church grew, and the um, neighborhood became crowded with traffic. He got a call from that pastor from that church. He went to return the call, and he thought for sure he's going to get this message from this pastor saying, you've moved into our territory, and you're stealing our sheep. And instead, here's the message he got from that pastor. The pastor said, let me tell you, we've been praying for years that God would reach this community, 
And by you bringing this mega church in here, you have reached the community. And we praise God for you. And by the way, can you come and preach in our church sometime? That's a kingdom vision. That's a, that's a, a kingdom focus, a kingdom mentality. Great Commission partnerships require celebrating diversity, developing relationships, responding when the Holy Spirit speaks, and having a kingdom vision. And the fifth thing, and the last thing, Great Commission partnerships will require that we literally partner together with other churches in supporting this Great Commission ministry we have. It really is the culmination of what I've been trying to say today. To be a Great Commission church, we have to be involved in Great Commission partnerships. That's why it's a part of our vision statement as a church, to come together and partner together. I mentioned Acts in Acts 11 as I read that about Barnabas and Paul being recruited to come and help. When that persecution broke out in Acts chapter 11, the description of how the people were scattered, and they got, they got to see the need that was there, and churches came together. So the Jerusalem church sent Barnabas out to help the church at Antioch. The Jerusalem church was sending people to communicate, to partner with other churches. The Antioch church sent Paul and Barnabas out. I mentioned that already. The Antioch church even took up an offering for the church in Jerusalem. Those other Gentile churches did the same. There was this, this partnership that churches had together, like our cooperative program. I went through the New Testament and looked how churches support churches. By the way, the association didn't come around after the denomination, after the state convention. Associations are here in the book of Acts. Associations were biblical. They're the first, the, the front line of ministry with churches, these partnerships that are formed. The church at Lystra had sent Timothy to accompany Paul. The church at Corinth had sent him to, Paul asked the church at Corinth to have Timothy come and assist. Gentile churches coming together to support the Jerusalem church. Again, in Philippians 1, Paul says, I thank my God upon every remembrance of you because of this partnership in the gospel. They had partnered together. That's the theme, I believe, of, of the progress of the gospel in the book of Acts. They partnered with personnel the missionaries, they partnered financially, they partnered in prayer support as Paul recruited other churches to pray for him and to pray for the needs there. This church gives to the association, partners together with our association. By the way, thank you for being a part of the ministry of the South Central Baptist area because of your financial gifts, because of your pastor and this staff being committed to association work and being involved in, in, in what we do that's partnering with other churches. I just love it when a, a church has a reputation for being a church that partners with other churches. To have a reputation for a church where their leadership understand we need one another because we are better together. Partnerships have been formed to start churches in our area. Partnerships have been formed to revitalize churches in our area. Partnerships have been formed to renew pastors as they've struggled in our area. So Great Commission partnerships require all these things, diversity, relationships, responding to the Holy Spirit, a kingdom vision, and literally stepping up to the plate and partnering with others. We go back to our vision statement I read before I started today. We are a fellowship of churches, a fellowship of churches, serving together, there's that partnership, serving together to expand God's kingdom there's kingdom focus by encouraging one another relationships and equipping church leaders. That's training and expanding 
the kingdom by establishing great commission ministry partnerships. That is what we are called to do. How are we doing? Are you partnering with the folks in your church to do ministry with them? I can tell you this church is partnering with other churches in the area to reach people with the great commission gospel of Jesus Christ. My prayer is that we would be churches who understand it is not about us. It's not about what happens here as much as it is about what happens in the kingdom and that we could be partnering together. I thank God for the partnership of First Baptist Kennedy and your leadership here who has been committed to help other churches reach their communities with the gospel of Jesus Christ. Let's close in prayer. Heavenly Father, we give you thanks for your word. We give you thanks for the challenge that I've been uh, given through your word as I've studied and prepared, reminding me of the importance of relationships and partnering together. God, could we be the kind of people that are great commission people, all for the glory of God. It's in the precious name of Jesus I pray. Amen.